Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, back with you. And apologize for the sound of my voice right now. Uh, hopefully, it's um, not too disturbing. Uh, I had said in the last episode after the Champions League match that uh, I had lost my voice shouting during the match. Uh, perhaps it wasn't that. I, I came down with a bit of a cold. The very next day and I'm still recovering a little bit here so my voice took quite a beating and um, given what I do for work at least for part of the day I am talking to people all day and uh, yeah it, it um, takes its toll on my voice but here I am it's a Monday night it is March the 22nd 2022 Benfica get three more points and you are joining me tonight live from well, not live, you're listening, but I'm recording in my cubicle. Yes, I'm at work right now, and I don't care <laughs> that I'm at work. I am here alone, and thus I am recording before I go home because I wanted to get this done today. How is everybody doing? Like we said, maybe you could pick up another three points this weekend, and we are on maybe our first consistent run in quite some time. 
Granted, we did drop points in the previous round. In this episode, we are going to uh, recap all of the month of February, okay, because we really didn't uh, get into that at all. In the last episode, we went right to the Champions League match, so we will recap basically from February up to present. Um, just going to run through some results and just do some general ideas, some general thoughts on what I've been seeing, some observations, Um Again, I don't know how long my voice is going to last in this episode, so this may be a little shorter than usual. But uh, I hope you all like it. I hope you uh, stick with it. I want to thank everybody also who showed me some support uh, last week when I uh, joined, you know, the 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 handicappers challenge on better than dot vegas on the on uh, the website there btv as they call it uh we know btv is something else here on this show but they call it btv for better than vegas um if you don't know that's a site that gives betting um advice and predictions and i sometimes help out there and uh, i was recruited into that that competition for picking basketball games here in the united states the the college basketball championship that's currently ongoing uh if you didn't know i went against former wwe champion wwe hall of famer kurt angle yes the kurt angle it's true it's damn true uh some of you saw my promo that i cut a video that i shot it was all in good fun um of course, I had my Tia in Portugal, my great aunt, um, asking me if I was crazy because that man would kill me after she Googled him. No, it was all in good fun. It was all just for fun. It was all a, a work, as they say, in the professional wrestling world. Um, I just had a little fun talking uh, about him, hoping to get a response that didn't happen. But uh, his his colleague there, uh, his colleague Kyle, did did uh, respond, but I won. I'm still in this March Madness Cappers uh, challenge. Uh, I'm in the Sweet 16 now, which starts this Thursday, so I'm pretty excited for that. I got to pick eight more college basketball games, and if I pick more wins than my opponent, then I will advance to the Elite Eight this weekend. And basically, for someone who works two jobs, has a podcast, Two podcasts, even though Parking the Bus has been on hiatus. Um, watching and picking college basketball games is yet another part-time job. Uh, something I didn't necessarily need. But you know what? For for the grand prize of, of $2,500, if I win the whole thing, I guess it'll be worth it. If I win it, my next opponent is a good friend to the show. It is uh, Mr. DJ's himself. It is Leo Kukakis, who has been on this show before whenever Benfica play against a Greek opponent. He has been on the show to to assist in uh, previewing and recapping those matches. He is my resident Greek football expert, and now he's my opponent in the next round. And, um, well, we're going to be shooting some promos at each other back and forth, but it's all in good fun. We're not serious. Nobody's going to hurt anybody else. It's all words. And at the end of the day, we're just picking basketball games. But I want to thank everyone who helped me uh, retweet that video, who helped me get some views. It, it did quite well on the on the site. And at the end of the day, I won, so I'm pretty excited. Um, what else I'm excited about? By the time you hear this episode on Wednesday, if you're listening on Wednesday, if you're listening after Wednesday, it'll definitely have already happened. But it is the Women's League Cup Final this Wednesday in Santa Maria the Feta up north. Benfica versus Braga. Uh, I can't wait for this final. Um, I'm going to be at work again. But you know what? My cell phone has the Canal Owens app on it. 
and I will have that game up because I'm not missing it. I don't care what anyone at work has to say about it. I am not missing that that match. Um, in the next episode, we'll recap the, the women's team and bring you up to speed on how they're doing now that the men head into an international break. And obviously, um, with this international break coming up, uh, many of you will be keeping an eye on Portugal as they get ready to take on Turkey on Thursday in a must-win uh, playoff semifinal, and then next week against either Italy or Northern Macedonia in the final. Um, let me just say I had more confidence in Befica eliminating Ajax than I have in Portugal qualifying for the World Cup. It does look bleak. The injuries keep rolling in. But this is not a uh, a Celestone podcast. If you want that, let me tell you where you can get that. Go to your podcast player and search Celestone Pod. Okay, the Celestone Podcast. Danny Pinto, the homeboy out in California, he does a great job, and he's got he's got Alex Gonzalez on with him to preview this and to look at the 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 call ups and the roster, and they do a great job. I think they were phenomenal. And I got to also give a shout out to Alex Gonzalez, who, who accurately said you, this. He said, uh, Rafa Silva, he goes, a guy who can do what nobody else can do. And if you need a goal, he can do things that literally nobody else on the roster can do. This is what I've been saying about Rafa Silva forever. I tweeted that after Rafa's wonder goal this past weekend. I got a little bit of hate from some people, mostly on the other side of the Atlantic, mostly on the Portugal side of the Atlantic. Didn't really care for my comment, but I'm not saying that he's played well. I'm saying that even when he plays terrible, he has the ability to do what he did this past Sunday and change a game. And his numbers speak for themselves. I don't care that you don't like the way he plays or that you don't see the effort. Yeah, there's a lot of problems in his game, of course. That's why he's still at Benfica, sorry to say. That's why he's not in the Premier League. That's why he's not in... La Liga or in, in the Serie A or the Bundesliga right now. There's a reason we've been able to keep him. It's because of the holes in his game. And yeah, he's a bit one-dimensional, but um, I want him on the field when we're going to play a team that's going to leave themselves exposed to the counter. I would always want Rafa Silva. I'll talk more about Rafa later in the episode. A lot of uh, polemic, a lot of controversy surrounding him. And his post-game uh, comments or lack thereof. Also, I'll give my two cents on on the fiasco at Canal Loans. If you don't know, I'll fill you in. Uh, a former, I guess you could say, a Benfica youth graduate. He didn't play for very long in the first team. Went on to play for both our rivals and for many other teams as well. Manish in the news. Um, I'll get to that later. Yeah, it's quite a story. Um, I'll probably get to that before the end of the episode. But I'm going to take a quick break right now. We're going to play some music for you. And on the other side, we'll we'll start talking about... Uh, we'll start with the this Ishtoril match. And then we'll recap what else has been going on uh, in the past five weeks or so with this team. And... Uh, and then I'll get to Rafa and I'll get to Canalons and maybe anything else that comes to my mind in this episode. This is Mr. Benfica. It's episode 136. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinu. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Also, don't forget to check out the website. I have updated it. The table is up to date on the website, www.mrbenfica.com. And, um, 
I'm hoping to post some content there, some written content there in the near future. But again, my schedule is just jam-packed, so it's it's all about finding time to put together quality content and not just put anything up there. All right, this is a quick little break. We'll be right back here on the PTV Media Network. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and welcome back to episode 136, Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio, and before we continue, I do want to also say thank you to everyone who checked out episode 135. That episode is doing very well right now uh, in terms of downloads and in terms of engagement, in terms of uh, just... Um, Overall, just just in terms of, of influence, um, it's been heard in a lot of countries too. I think I got some extra uh, some extra listens in in some random places. I have to say, for the first time ever, uh, last week the show made a brief stop on the charts in Denmark, of all places. Um, assuming there must be a large IX fan base in Denmark, perhaps that uh, was enough to propel this show into the top 100 in Denmark. So thank you to to everyone and welcome to anybody who's uh, new and listening for the second time or the first time now. Uh, we're going to break down now this round 27 matchup between Benfica and Istriel at the Stadio de Luz this past Sunday. Um, some of the background coming into the match. 
Mavika obviously coming in tired after uh, the very hard-fought victory in Amsterdam midweek and fans coming in on a high. Uh, not not the biggest crowd, unfortunately. Uh, I, I thought we'd get a bigger crowd on a Sunday afternoon. But, of course, a lot of the uh, everyday fans were the ones that were traveling midweek. The official attendance set at 36,768 at the Luge. Um Again, a lot of people made the trip to the Netherlands for the the midweek matchup, and um, perhaps there's some burnout. Also, I understand there is quite a a financial crisis going on in the world right now, especially in terms of of fuel prices. So it's that much more expensive for people to travel from outside of the Lisbon region uh, to get to these matches. So uh, some of that might play in also to to the basically half empty stadium um still better than pretty much anybody else does in terms of attendance in the liga and given the up and down season we've had i think this is still a respectable number all in all but um Let's take a look at the lineups. We'll start with the visitors. We'll start with manager Bruno Pinheiro's Estoril side. Daniel Figueira is the goalkeeper. They're playing 4-2-3-1. Uh, Carlos Soria is the right back, the, the center back pairing. Nahuel Faresi and our old uh, nuisance, really, an, an old nuisance that we remember from his days at Sporting Club de Braga. That's, uh, that's Raul as Raul Silva. Uh, he he partners with Nahuel Ferraesi in the center, and João Zinho is uh, the left back, the captain. Uh, João Zinho in the double pivot in midfield. João Gamboa partners with Chico Geraldo, one of the better known players on the Estoril side. The attacking mid, uh, the attacking midfielders are led by the number ten Andrea Franco. To his right, Jordi Mabula, and to his left, Artur and Leandro Ruiz is the striker. For Nelson Verissimo, he opts to make a few changes. A few of them were forced. Let's be honest. Uh, as you know, Adele Trapped suspended for that record. Record uh, fastest red card by a Benfica player in the history of the Stadio de Luz. And, um, well, yeah, there's there's absolutely a duality of criteria because uh, although I don't disagree with his sending off the week prior, you know, the same exact tackle happened in the in the Boavista Porto match this past weekend and uh, not even a yellow card. So, uh, clearly... Um, there's just the refereeing is so so poor in Portugal, and there is absolutely no excuses for it. It's very clear that it's it's what is a red card in the criteria for a Benfica player is not a red card in the criteria for example a Porto player. And I'll just leave it at that. You guys have eyes for yourselves. You can see for yourselves. But anyway, Nelson Verissimo uh goes with Vlacodimus, the informed goalkeeper. Um and he has another pretty good game in this one. Uh Gilberto, another informed player right now. He gets he keeps his spot at right back. The tandem Otamendi and Vertongen, the two veterans, are the center back pairing once again. And they are coming along, and I think, really think, we are seeing the best Vertonghen we have seen since he's joined Befica. His confidence has has gone up a bit. Um, he's definitely 
he's definitely got a comfort in playing with Otamendi to his right and Grimaldo to his left when you go to the goal point. You can see how many passes he completes with those two guys. And he also is very good at finding Julian Weigel and Everton, who also are in the starting lineup. But it's Grimaldo who starts at the left back across the middle. Uh, Mete gets the start in place of Terapt, and I think this is a good decision. I think he earned it for the performance he put in midweek at Ajax. And uh, he's starting to really gel in this team as well. I think he's starting to understand his role, starting to understand what is asked of him. And he's also just getting in form because he came, he joined the team at a time where he had not played in a couple of months and it showed. And I think he's finally really starting to gel in this team. He partners with Julian Weigel, recently called up, newly called up, Back to the German national team, uh, Ulian Weigel, that is. And then Rafa plays down the right, Everton down the left, and an attack. Gonzalo Ramos gets another start, and he continues to, on his ascent, continues to develop, continues to grow and mature as a player. Um, I really think he has he has been one of the better uh, stories this season. We've seen him grow. We've seen him mature into a top-level Footballer to the point where he is a legitimate starter in this first 11. Uh, and he partners with Roman Yarimchuk in this one, who is in for the suspended Darwin Nunez. So, Befica 4 4 2. It is what it is. I mean, <laughs> the manager is Mr. It is what it is, but that's my attitude right now. Um, as you guys know, if you've been listening, I don't particularly like the four four two, and I don't think it suits our players that well, but this is the, the this is the this is the way forward with this manager and um, you know a lot of talk about whether or not Nelson Verissimo has a future at Benfica. And I have to be clear about something I said in the last episode, you know, and I think it got mistaken or taken out of context by some people uh, because of some of the feedback I've gotten about how I said that, you know, I gave, again, like I did with JJ and like I did with Verissimo in his first stint and with Rui Vitt- and with Bruno Lage before that. When I analyze a coaching performance, a job, a match, the way a match is managed, I look at it in the scope of that match. I don't bring my personal opinion of the manager. I don't bring things like that into it. Okay, I'm looking at from minute zero to the final whistle how the manager managed that match. In Amsterdam, Nelson Verismo managed very well. I will stand by this, and I, I've i heard some out there disagree, but to me, that substitution of bringing Mete on and Tarapt off was the substitution of the season because that is the only reason we won that match. I don't care what... You, you all know how I feel about Tarapt. Okay, If it were me, he'd be gone already. I think he's taken up a spot. I don't think he brings anything. He does not bring anything productive. He brings a few nice moves, a couple nice passes here and there. But at the end of the day, he brings zero production. You can talk all you want about Gonzalo Ramos not being a top player, not being, you know, a Benfica or not being, you know, a player for Benfica. Take a look at Gonzalo Ramos' production and Adele Terap's production, okay? Gonzalo Ramos has more goals and more assists than Adele Terap already, so don't give me that, okay? Now, Mete brings in some steel that this midfield desperately needed. That substitution made all the sense in the world. Any manager, I think, would have made that substitution in that instance, okay? So I guess maybe I'm even giving Verissimo more credit than, than he needs because it was clear that he was going to lose that midfield. It was clear 
You're not going to come out and play against Ajax. You're not going to keep it. You're not going to get creative. You're going to bunker in and wait for your counter. You're going to look for the set piece. The match went according to plan to a T. And again, who drew that foul? It was Gonzalo Ramos because he had the intelligence and he's growing in maturity. And he, le- and he got the ball in a position and put his body in a position where if Edson Alvarez of Ajax was going to get impatient and was going to take a, uh, a stab at the ball, he was going to catch him. That's exactly what happened. Grimaldo delivers a perfect ball. Mete and Yarimchuk and Otamendi make perfect runs to open the space and then Darwin all he has to do is flick it he beats you know he beats everybody to the ball I mean, if he could win that game in large part due to that substitution the way that Mete broke up plays and the way that he read plays the vision he showed okay and just the sheer physicality he was able to bring that Without that, Benfica lose that match. I would, I will put everything I own down on that. Without him in that match, Benfica lose that match. And you don't take Everton out in that situation, which some are calling for Everton, others calling for Rafa to come out. You don't take them out because, again, Everton <laughs> does a lot of defending on Grimaldo's side. He he does a lot of the defensive work. Okay, he he covers one channel. Grimaldo, the, the, the other channel. Tarapt cannot do that. Same for Rafa on the other side. Plus, Rafa brings the threat of the counterattack. Sure, he didn't play well in that match, but Ajax knew where he was at all times. Ajax dedicated a guy to his lane all the time. Again, with Tarapt in that position, we, be, we, we get nothing. So that substitution was... For me, still the substitution of the season. That was the no, that was a very aware substitution by Nelson Verissimo. And me saying this is not me saying that Nelson Verissimo now suddenly is the right man to be the manager going forward. Again, that's a discussion to have later. That's a discussion to have when the season is over. That's certainly not the discussion to have one hour after Benfica knock Ajax out of the Champions League for Nelson Verissimo. That two-legged tie with Ajax is his resume. That is his CV. That is his his presentation, his body of work to show the football world where that next job might come from. Now, perhaps that next job for Nelson Verissimo is serving as the, the assistant for the next manager. Who knows? If he decides that he wants to be a, like they say, Wome de Casa, a, a, guy, a house coach, He'll be very successful to be in the staff going forward, not as the ma- as the manager per se, but as the as the first team coach, as the as the first assistant. I think he's very very good at that job. He he was very good in that role with Bruno Lage. Um, again, that set piece goal is something he used to be very good at, and I think it's something he doesn't have time to work on anymore, being the manager. So. Perhaps he's happy at Benfica and he wants to be a Mario Wilson or a Shell type. Uh, and I just mean from the staff side. I'm not talking about the playing side when I when referring to Senor Shell. But perhaps uh, Nelson Verissimo is comfortable staying at Benfica and being part of the staff going forward. Um, I don't know that he goes back to the B team. I don't think that's the right move for him. I think his his place is in 
either in the first team as an assistant or as or who knows maybe going to Wolves and, and getting back with Bruno Lage. who knows um, but I think Nelson Verissimo is going to have options when this season is over I'm not saying that he is the right guy to manage this team going forward we'll talk about who the coach is going to be later I mean I have ideas but right now everything is speculation um I know who people want, and I, I, you know, I've I've heard it all from from all different angles. But I have a, a hunch who it might be, but I'm going to keep that to myself right now because, well, he's managing somebody else, and I'm not a hundred percent sure on it. It's a it's a fifty fifty hunch, if you will. But um, I don't think he'll be popular if he's the decision if he's the choice. But I'm coming to the conclusion that I don't think any selection. I don't. I don't think any manager that Rui Costa selects at this point is going to be popular. This fan base is very hard to please, and it's a very, very divided right now. Now, I've said, ah, uh, you know, I've said I'm inclined to lean towards Renato Paiva. Um, I've watched what he's built in in Ecuador with Independiente del Valle, but. This is a whole different animal, obviously, coaching not just in Europe, but coaching Befica and the pressure that comes with Befica and the lack of patience that anyone has uh, for a project. I still believe we need a project manager, but that's, you know, again, that's a conversation for another day. Let's get into this match now that you have the starting 11, okay? Um, Befica start out pretty well in this one, I I do say. Um Again, it's a smaller crowd, but they're well animated. Uh, people note, noting the the black paint on some of the play on the players' faces. Some of the players had silver paint; others had black paint. That is a a campaign, uh, an anti racism campaign that the league was running. I believe the the uh, Istrio players had it had it also. But what happened was between the players sweating and the rain falling, a lot of it was was smeared off of the players' faces pretty quickly. Some of them kept it on, others didn't. So it looked like some of the players when the match started, everybody had it. Um, Right off the bat, in the third minute, Gonzalo Ramos gets an opportunity, a left-footed shot from the left side of the box, but it was saved in the bottom corner by Daniel Figueira, and he was set up by Grimaldo Benfica. Like I said, come out, I think, feeling the momentum, feeling confident after the performance they put in, but I think there was some wear in the legs, and I think that started to show, and I think at the end of the match it really showed, but again... It, it was just a, it was a professional performance, not a great performance, not not a bad one. Just you know, it was a professional performance. They went in, they took care of business. I think they took the 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 foot off the accelerator a little bit. Um, and what this team still needs to learn and has struggled for a long time now in doing is managing to keep it together when they have the lead and to not come undone, not to completely disconnect from each other, which is what happened. And then the substitutions didn't help. And I think um, the guys at Benfica Independent, they brought this up. Uh, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Ron Paulo, who, who is maybe my favorite analyst out of all of, all of the Benfica Independents when it comes to the X's and O's or in, in terms of situations in the match. I really like his analysis the best. 
or or I should say maybe I tend to agree with his the most, but he said that um, after the match, Nelson Verdissimo was asked uh, apparently about Paulo Bernardo and João Mario coming in and how they didn't, how they didn't, uh, how the team went down when they came in. And he said, no, the truth was the team was already disconnected. There was already, the team had already flattened out and had already gotten disconnected. And what happened was João Mario, uh, Paul Bernardo, these guys came in and were not able to to put the team back together to reconnect the dots, um, and that ends up leading to to Istrio's goal later. But moving forward here in the first half, still a yellow card to Leonardo Ruiz in the tenth minute for a foul on Mete. Uh, Benfica keep pushing forward, um, but in the eighteenth, Vlacudimus is called on for a big save. Odie makes a save as Carles Soria of Istoril right foots a shot from the right side of the box, but but Odie gets it in the bottom left corner um, after Andrea Franco set up Soria for that shot. Giraldi has a chance for Istoril in the nineteenth as well um, as he takes a right footed shot from outside the box and misses to the left. But then in the 21st, it's Benfica's turn to come knocking at the door. It is the kid again. It is Gonzalo Ramos. Again, a kid on an upward trajectory right now. Uh, he gets a header from the center of the box, but it's just a bit too high getting in on a cr- on the end of a cross from Everton Subolinha. In the 24th, Benfica have another opportunity from a header. And this time it's Superian Vertonghen gets on the end of a cross from Gribaldo. And it's a header from very close range, but he misses just left. Gilberto gets an opportunity in the 26th, but his shot is wide. We look in the 27th here. Uh, Weigel will concede a corner. And on the ensuing corner, it is João Gamboa of Istoril with the header from the center of the box. And he misses just to the right from that corner. The match is playing on and it's, it's, it's at a slow pace. No doubt about it. It's at a slow pace. But Befica is still in control. 29th minute, Weigel goes into the referee's book. Seems like any time he commits a foul, the referee shows him a yellow card. In the 31st, it's Gilberto again with the right-footed shot from the right side of the box, but high and wide after being set up by Everton. In the 34th minute, finally, the breakthrough. Now, this is a, this is a brilliant, brilliant um, goal. This maybe this is a candidate for goal of the season, but it starts when Vertonghen uh, comes in with a, a nice tackle and manages to clip the ball free, and it goes out past the end line for a corner. Isturil will try to play the short corner. The pass is picked out by Rafa Silva. He reads it like an open book, and he is off to the races, 80 meters with this ball. This is a 80-meter dash. He takes the ball coast to coast, beats no fewer than five Isturil players, gets one-on-one with the goalkeeper once. He beats the final defender, which the final defender was Joanzinho. And once he beats Joanzinho, he puts he gets just enough space to put the ball back on his right foot. And with the outside pinky toe of his right foot, he pokes it 
past the goalkeeper, past Danielle Figueira, into the far post. Benfica take the lead. I jumped off my couch for this one. And a little celebration for Rafa. We'll talk about that again in, in just a moment when we get through the rest of the, the rest of the occurrences in the match. But the the players mob him. He doesn't seem too interested in celebrating. But no doubt a goal of the season um, candidate there from Rafa Silva. And again, this is when I tweeted. Uh, I tweeted that that was for all the Rafa haters out there. And that he is the only player on the pitch who can do that. I got a little negative. I got a lot of positive uh a lot of positive feedback on that tweet. I got a lot of retweets, but then I got I got a retweet with a comment from somebody in Portugal who didn't appreciate it. But it is what it is. The opinion is mine. I get where you're coming from, but I'll take him any day um, because of his ability to do that and because we just don't have anybody else to do that, and we really don't have anybody else better than him uh, in that position, no matter how poor he plays. So, again, uh, Rafa gets on the score sheet and when you look at his numbers again he is he is one of the key players in this team regardless of how he's playing regardless of his performance he's still a key guy and a guy you look to get the ball to even if he loses it a hundred times on that hundred and first there's always the chance he is going to break through um some people don't like that i get it but uh i'm just on the other side of that argument and listen you know Everyone has a right to their own opinion. I respect those that oppose me, and my my platforms is always open for any type of rebuttal, and I champion free speech, so feel free to disagree with me. I have no issues with that. Um, just be articulate, be intelligent, um, explain why, <laughs> you know, and I think that's that's the kind of healthy debate that that should go on within a fan base. And we'll go to halftime with that one. Uh, as Benfica get out of half to, out of the first half ahead, a goal to nil. We go to the second half here. And no substitutes to start. But in the 48th, it is Ishturil who go to the substitutes bench. No, excuse me. It's not a substitute. It's an opportunity here. In the 48th, it's Andrea Franco, left-footed shot from the right side of the box. Blocked after he was set up by Artur. Estoril start to get a little bit of a chance, but then they get a couple going. But then in the 53rd, once again, Befica get their, get their, their mojo back, if you will, and they get... Uh, they get going, and it is Gonzalo Ramuz, the kid. Once again, he gets a left-footed shot from the corner of the box, assisted by none other than Gilberto Carlos. Yes, even Elder Kunduto called him Gilberto Carlos, and Elder Kunduto at this point in the match makes a point that is true as true can be. He says that Gilberto has con- has conquistado, has conquered the fans, or has won over the fans so much so that he can do anything now, and he will still have the love and support of the Terceira Nel, the third level. And it is true, Gilberto has absolutely poured his heart out for this club this season. Um, if you want to make an argument that that's not enough to play for Benfica, that's a fair argument. But you cannot knock the guy's hustle. You cannot knock his heart. You cannot n- knock his dedication to this team and he sets up Gonzalo Ramos for a goal it's 2-0 in the 53rd 
Uh, we start to see some substitutions now in the 57th. Double substitution for Shtreel. On comes Bernardo Vital, replaces Raul, and Josier Lorienz replaces João Gamboa. And then in the 58th, one minute later, the crowd gives a polite applause to a former academy standout, Rui Font, the younger brother of Portugal national team defender, and Lille captain uh, José Font, Rui Font, former Benfica youth player, and then a player who made a bit of a name for himself at Sporting Braga, uh, comes on in place of Leonardo Ruiz. And Gonzalo nearly doubles his tally in the 60th minute. He's set up by Rafa uh, with the left-footed shot from the left side of the box, but he misses just right. Uh, Yaremchuk gets his opportunity in the 61st minute. Roman has a right-footed shot from the center of the box, but blocked after getting on the end of a pass from Gonzalo Ramos. More opportunities for Benfica two minutes later. It's Everton this time with the header from the center of the box. He misses left. João Mario comes on and replaces Yarumchuk in the 63rd minute. And we get an opportunity for Rafa again in the 66th. Rafa, right-footed shot from the center of the box, saved in the top corner, nearly making it 3-0. Maybe you could just start to see this result out here. Um, we get a substitution in the 75th. Diogo Gonçalves comes on for Everton. Cibulinha, and then... At the same time, Istriel send on Romario Balde, the former Porto youth and first teamer. Uh, he replaces Chico Geraldo. And again, this is where Befica starts to get sloppy, starts to get a little bit lazy. I think the fatigue really starts to set in here in the final moments. And uh, Istriel start to get a little bit of confidence in the match. But really, Befica controlling it, just keeping it at bay. For the most part, in the 84th, we get another double substitution. On comes Paulo Bernardo for Meite, and Enrique Araujo replaces Rafa Silva. This is the second appearance for the Madeiran board, Benfica youth product, Enrique Araujo. Um, and he nearly scores on his first touch of the play. He gets a, a touch from his first touch of the match, he gets uh, his head onto it, but he just misses. Andre Almeida also comes on. We haven't seen him in a long time. He replaces Gilberto to the adulation of the fans as Gilberto gets a warm uh, a warm applause as he exits the pitch. Istriel also make a substitution. Uh, Antonio Xavier replaces Jordi Mabula in the 85th. And the... Attempt I was just talking about, Enrique Arujo with the header from the center of the box. He's close, but he misses just left in the 86th, getting in the end of a cross from Andrea Almeida. Again, Befica kind of let their let their guard down. They get sloppy, and then um, completely disconnected, like we said, as Weigel is trying to make a play back, or perhaps it was Andrea Almeida. One of them was trying to play the ball back uh towards the center backs and it hits it actually hits uh paul bernardo and directs right into the foot of artur who finds andrea franco andrea franco gets in behind and he beats vlacodimos in the 90th plus three for the consolation goal two to one that is your final 
result. And we are now going to go to the goal point here to to look at the ratings for Benfica and for Istrio Praia here in this round 27 matchup in the Liga Portugal. We'll start with the ratings for Istrio Praia. Uh, Daniel, sorry, Daniel uh, Figueira, the goalkeeper, gets a 6.2. Uh, Carlos Soria gets a 5.0, Fareezi a 5.3, Raul Silva 4.9, Joãozinho 5.1, Artur 5.8, while Giraldes gets a 4.8, Gamboa 4.7, André Franco was their best player with a 6.7 and a goal, Jordi Mabula 5.9, and the attacker Leonardo Ruiz 3.8. Off the bench... Off the bench, you got uh, you got Vital with a five point three, Rossier with a five point seven, Ruifont five point one, and Romario Baro five point one as well. I think I called him Romario Balde. It's Romario Baro, excuse me. Romario Balde was a Benfica youth player, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was Romario Baro uh, five point one and. Um, and sorry, uh, Andrea Xavier does not, Antonio Xavier, excuse me, does not get a rating for Benfica here. Odi 5.0, Gilberto 5.8, Otamendi 6.6, Vertonghen 6.2, Grimaldo 7.1. Grimaldo playing his best football probably of the season right now. Uh, just having good match after good match. Everton 5.6, Weigel 5.1, Mete 5.4, Rafa, man of the match performance with a 7.5, Yarimchuk 5.1, and Gonzalo Ramos 7.0. Oh, off the bench, Romario 4.9, Diogo Gonçalves 5.0, and then Paulo Bernard, Enrique Araujo, and Andre Almeida do not get a rating. Looking at Rafa's heat map, it's all down the right, but he gets, it's it, it's an interesting heat map. If I had the video up, you'd be able to see, but this is an audio-only episode because I am, uh, of course, re- recording this remotely. But he, he his... The hottest part of his heat map, or the the most intense color in his heat map, is wide on the right, as usual. But then it's like in a straight diagonal line towards the box. Um, in the in the left, sorry, in the right and right center channel, just burning up there on the heat map. He had a goal. He had a ninety two percent pass efficiency. That is a very very good pass efficiency. He suffered three fouls, which is always something he has to deal with. But another great statistic for Rafa in this match was was four defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Again, he doesn't get enough credit for this side of the game. Not, not, nobody, just players in general, do not get enough credit for what they do on the defensive side of the ball. It's not sexy. It's not popular anymore. Uh, people don't care for the defensive side of the game for the most part. You listen to fans say ridiculous things like they would rather, they would rather you know, draw 4-4, then win one nothing. You hear ridiculous things like that. But I do think a lot of people feel that way. Um, Rafa gets three interceptions, and he blocked three attempted crosses as well. So very good all-around performance for one Rafa Silva in this one. Uh, final statistics, shots. Benfica with the with the advantage in total shots, 18-16. to 16. Um 
shots on goal, 6-3 to three in favor of Benfica. Actions in the opponent's area, penalty area, Benfica 34 actions in the opponent's area, while Istriel only 17 in Benfica's. Benfica had seven corners to Istriel's four. Benfica 89% pass efficiency to Istriel's 86, also very good. The vertical pass efficiency, though, there's a more drastic uh Advantage for Benfica, 74% to 65%. Each team made 10 defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. Uh, 13 to 12 in fouls. Benfica slightly up. And the ball, the possession went 52-48 in favor of Benfica. So that pretty much uh, wraps up this match. As I scroll through the goal point for any other interesting uh, statistics here. Uh, Rafa's goal compared by goal point to Poborski way back in the day. Um, and that that video also made its way around the social media. Um, we look at some of the top uh, pass tendencies or the, the most completed passes. Otamendi to Vertonghen, the most uh, common completed pass 18 times. Otamendi played a square ball to Vertonghen. Vertonghen to Grimaldo, though, 13 times. And Grimaldo to Vertonghen 12 times. Benfica is much better playing out of the left side, coming out of the back down the left, than they are down the right. This is something that has been noticed by many people, uh, especially this season, when you got the Grimaldo in the Evertons and the Vertonghens on the left side. You can add in Terapt when he plays. He finds its way to that side as well. Um, and also is someone who does manage to receive a lot of passes. And he and he, he you know, completes a good amount of his own passes. Meite to Gilberto was 10 times, which was pretty good. Grimaldo to Everton 10 times. So you can see a total. If you look at the most, the most uh, frequent passes, passes, the most frequent completed passes, you see 18, 13, 12, and 10. That's uh, 22, 35, 40, 50, if my math is right, 53 uh, passes down the left and only 10 down the right um, in in construction in the first phase of of the build-up. So, uh, Befica clearly was able to do what they wanted in this one. just again, a, a professional performance. Nothing to write home about, but something they needed. Um, they needed the three points to keep pressure on Sporting as we keep a, alive a very um, slim hope of of reaching second place. I don't know if we're going to be. I, I have my doubts that we're going to be able to do it. I don't see Sporting slipping up enough. I don't see them being allowed to slip up. To be honest. Um, in order for us to have a chance at it. Okay, so that's going to be, uh, that's it actually for this match. I'm going to come back after this quick break. Okay, I know we already took a break. I'm going to take one more quick break. On the other side, I'll talk about some of the hot topics going on. I'll talk about Rafa. I'll summarize uh, the matches also in the past five weeks or so and then talk about Rafa's uh, post game and talk about <laughs> some of the, Nonsense over at Canalos. I think it's kind of funny. Um, but uh, i just give my perspective a little bit uh, on what I saw. I'll be right back. This is the Mr. Mike Uggerstein you hear on Mr. Befiga, episode 136. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 136. Okay, let's run down some results here. Uh, pretty much for the entire month of February. I know we're sitting here at the end of March now, but uh, in order to, for the sake of continuity and to keep everything um, documented, if you will, uh, in this in this podcast, it really is an audio yearbook of this season and of every season. Um the last time we in the last time we spoke about uh league football i believe was all the way back um i believe it was all the way back when we lost to Gil Vicente or just before um it was leading into the league cup if i'm not mistaken and uh as you know we we got to the final of the league cup after winning on penalties against Bovista i think i talked about that episode in the previous episode we then lost a tough one to sporting in the final i did talk about that one after that uh on february the 2nd we got a shock result against what is to be honest a very good gil vicente team coached by ricardo suarez and uh, he's a manager that i've heard some some of you talk about perhaps having some interest in seeing him join Benfica. uh i certainly think that could be interesting um not sure really if he has the pedigree yet, but if he is able to take Gil Vicente to Europe this year, I think one thing I hate in Portugal, I have to say, is that managers, whether it's uh, him or it's Pepa or it's in the past uh, other managers, Vasco uh, Siabra, I think at one time, or Nuno uh different young Portuguese managers manage to take a team to – a European place, and Gil Vicente is certainly going to be fighting for that. Um, and then they leave. They leave, and they leave the team completely unstable going into a European campaign. If Gil Vicente managed to get a spot in the Europa Conference next year, I really want to see Ricardo Suarez stay at Gil Vicente and not leave. And I'd like to see Gil Vicente actually get into the group stages. Um, those of you that look at the at the coefficient race, um, I remember at the beginning of the season, everyone got all excited when Portugal broke into the top five momentarily. Um, you you need to remember, though, 
we're going to have a hard time staying ahead of the Dutch league, even though we've taken, even though Befik have taken out two Dutch teams this year. In the Europa Conference, the Dutch teams are are gaining a lot of points. Countries like the Netherlands and Belgium, um, it, primarily, um, are going to have an opportunity to really, really uh, gain a lot of points in that competition. So Portugal is going to suffer now uh, from the fact that the three teams, four teams to be fair, uh, Braga still alive when it's Braga and Benfica, the only two Portuguese teams still alive in Europe. So. Uh, carrying the flag and accumulating points. If if Gilles Vicente can find their way into the group stage, that could really help that coefficient rating if you're one of those fans that follows that and really get gets into it. I'd be excited to see a Gilles Vicente uh, play against, you know, play in a, a, and qualify into a group stage for a UEFA Europa Conference. Um, they're, they're turning out to be a strong team this year. Uh, this was an unfortunate loss for Benfica. Uh, very, very difficult loss. You know, Nelson Verissimo at the time heard the the whistles. He got the white the white handkerchiefs. Again, I've said this before. This season is the rest of the season needs to be done in a way that you get an accurate inventory of what you have and what you need. And I think that uh, some results are going to go well, like at IX, and some are not going to go well, like this one, which you'll be sent. And um, we are going to drop points. But I think the way he has intelligently introduced younger players into the team and given them an opportunity to get their feet wet, I think when it's all said and done, the Paul Bernardos and the, and the Gonzalo Ramos and the... Uh, even possibly Enrique Arujos as the season goes on with seven games to go if they see some minutes. They are going to get some valuable, valuable experience, not to mention we've seen just the exponential growth of Darwin Nunez this year. Remember, he's not much, he's not really any older than they are. We forget that because he has been, you know, in the starting 11 since he arrived, essentially. he. We forget how young Darwin Nunez is and... um I am 100% against selling Darwin Nunez this summer. I think his value is still only going to go up. Um, he's going to he's going to win the Golden Boot in Portugal this year. Um, I think he can, he's going to get 25, 26 goals when it's all said and done. And I really think next year we can have an absolute. And I'm only talking league goals right now. Uh, I think next year we could have an absolute scoring machine on our hands if we can hang on to him for one more season. I think uh, the goal should be to get this team ready so that next season we compete for the title. Okay, These young players now are being given an opportunity in a relatively low-pressure situation, which is what's best for their development. And we have seen, as the pressure has eased a little bit, we saw a especially a Gonzalo Ramos grow. And then we saw just the massive performance he did in, in he put on in the two matches against Ajax. This is a kid who barely got on the pitch in the group stage, Okay, who was not really an option at that time. Um, I think his work rate is phenomenal. I think that uh, he's growing into his game. He's understanding the type of player he's growing into. And he is realizing the things he needs to do to stay on the pitch for this Benfica at this level. And, um, you know, I think we need to continue to give these these kids opportunities. Paul Bernardo, for me, needs to get more minutes, um, even if it's at a point where we drop points. Because I think... 
after this next league match, because our next league match is against Braga, if we can get a win there, we solidify third place. Okay. Going forward from that, I really think that it's time to really experiment and time to figure out what we can do. Time to uh, decide who stays, who goes, things like that. I think that really is the job of Nelson Verissimo in this in this six month stint. It's not as much as people and people don't like to hear this. Okay, they don't like to think that we are playing for anything other than to win a title but sometimes to get the long-term success you have to make short-term sacrifices and we saw this two seasons ago when Ruben Amorim took over Sporting he dropped points because he insisted on playing with with certain players and and he insisted on playing a system they were not used to that turned around in the in the following season to be their first title in two decades. Okay, there's no reason we can't figure this out now in these last seven games. Obviously, the Champions League aside, those games are to win, and that's where I do prefer to see the more experienced, stronger, more physical, more uh, mature players play. But as far as the league games go, I want to see these kids get a chance. Um, the other players have had their opportunities. It's time to see what we have. And if someone is not ready, then then we need to know it with our own eyes and not just assume. And I think that, you know, there, there's going to be moves that have to be made in the offseason. I do think there's going to be a new coach coming in, a new manager, and he's going to have players he wants. But Benfica cannot continue to go spending boatloads of money every offseason. That's not sustainable. Okay, we have to find a project manager, okay, a manager who can build and who can insert what we have and build around what we have and then just get key pieces here and there, not go and just spend for names. So what we've done in the past three seasons is spend money on names. It's it's it hasn't worked. Okay, that model needs to be thrown out. We need to go back to what we were doing before. I, I do believe that. And we need to have patience. As much as that sucks to hear, and as much as you know, we've we've now going on what a, are we going on two or three seasons? This will be the third season without a title, um, very or without the title, I should say. It's very frustrating, but I need to see from my standpoint and what I want for this club long term. We need to see substantial steps taken in the right direction. Uh, at this point next season, we cannot be sitting here in third place again saying the same thing over and over like we did last season. Okay, We essentially did not take any steps forward in 2021-2022. Um, the Georges Jesus project failed, and not only through his own fault. You have to look at the whole thing, okay? Um, I do believe that... And I hope that Rui Costa, whatever you think about him, him and his staff are doing their homework and they are thoroughly searching for the right manager. Not the biggest name, not the guy that, you know, has done this or done that. The, the, the correct fit for the type of club we want to be, for the type of football we want to play. We can't even talk about style right now because we have such a disjointed team. We have players of all different styles. We have players that don't really mesh well as a team or haven't until very recently. Really, this Ajax uh, home and away tie may have been, hopefully, 
a pivot point, a launching point into a more cohesive team, a more cohesive unit, a more um, a team with more identity. Maybe we've discovered some of what that identity is. Wait to see. We do have an issue at the back next season when Lucas Verissimo comes back. Do we go back to the three at the back? I'm going to say yes. And if you're going to play three at the back, I mean, this decision ultimately is made for a manager. But there's a guy out there who has been very successful, especially um, in knockout matches, playing with three at the back. Okay, I'm not going to throw names out there, but you probably know who I'm talking about. If we don't want to do that, then something's got to give. We can't keep all these center backs. We can't keep, uh, you know, Lucas... Otamendi, Vertonghen, and Moratu. Moratu needs to play. If we're not going to go to three at the back, Moratu needs to be loaned out, I think, in my opinion. Because, or, 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 Jan, or Otamendi leave. But Otamendi is such an important part of this team right now that I think it would, it would kill the heart of the team and it would kill the locker room to lose him at this point. I think that the club, the people in charge of this club, Rui Pedro Braz, Rui Costa, you know, their staff, and whoever this incoming manager is need to figure that out. Getting back to our results throughout February now. Uh, we traveled to Tondela on Monday, February the 7th. That was a 3-1 victory on the road and at a pitch that is sometimes difficult for us. Uh, we got goals that day from Everton, Darwin, and Gonzalo Ramos. Uh, a few days later on Saturday the 12th, at home, 2-1 winners over Santa Clara. Um, followed that up by a trip to the Besa, where we drew 2-2. A little bit of a disappointing result, a 2-2 draw at Boa Vista. And then we managed to get a 2-2 draw out of nowhere at that time. Because um, at that point, we really were struggling um, again, before we went into that first Ajax match, uh, inconsistency has been the the key, and that's going to happen sometimes with a caretaker manager, because he is also, I think, handling a transition. And I think we've seen that little by little. He's handling a transition in personnel, a, a transition in, in playing style. And the results are going to be up and down when you do that in most cases. Um, but on the 23rd of February, we hosted Ajax. And the crowd that night had a belief in Befica that came out of nowhere because the team had not been playing all that well. And that night gave a very rock-solid effort, of course. Um, the emotions were high with... Uh, with Roman Yaremchuk taking the pitch, we I talked about it briefly in the last episode. Um, given everything that was happening in his home country in Ukraine, and um, you know, we went face to face with a very strong Ajax team, and in the first half we were completely outplayed. However, we managed to get level in the first half. Jan Vertonghen, maybe this was the first game of his real. Um, I guess you could say when he really arrived here and really started to take on a dominant role out of the back and not just a passive role, um, Jan playing against his former club, Ajax, just doesn't give up on a play. The ball comes across. His first header is blocked. He, he runs it down. He doesn't give up. And then he plays it across the face of goal off of Sebastian Haller into the back of the goal. 1-1. One, one. 
Uh, Holler would later get his second after uh, Jan actually would be on the other end making a mistake, but you can't really fault him too much for it. He cleared it, uh, but he cleared it off of Otamendi. Um, after after an Odie save, Jan went to clear the, the rebound, cleared it off of Otamendi, fell right back to Holler. Holler scored. But uh, Roman Yadimchuk's emotional goal in the second half made it 2-2 and gave us the chance we needed going into the second leg. And, um, again, a shout-out to João Paulo there on Befica Independent, on Rescaldo uh, Independent. He had said a long time ago when the draw came out that he that Befica were going to eliminate Ajax. And when he said that, my mind started spinning a little bit. And I said, you know what we do? We do tend to play our best against that style of play. We played really well against Barcelona, okay? And I think we, we, we really matched up as well as we could with anybody else at this stage with this Ajax team. I know they play pretty football. I know they they play a very fluid game, a very attack-minding game, but they also attack in a nearly suicidal way with both wingbacks just flying up the pitch. And, you know, they leave, they leave their back, too, along with their holding mid, which was, uh, if I remember, Daily Blend, uh, Martinez, and... Edson Alvarez, they leave them kind of exposed with a lot of space to cover. That's how we got that count. That's how we got the ball up into the attacking, uh, the attacking third in the second leg. Gonzalo draws the foul. Like I said, we get the goal. We advance in this first leg. I think we saw a lot more of the ball than we did in the second leg, especially in the second half. Benfica really played a very strong second half, and and it almost gets you a little bit angry in the fact that. And the fact that we can't play like that more often with that type of, of effort. The difference is in the level of the effort. And it's not that the players don't want to win. Um, things just don't always go well. You know, things don't come off the way we want sometimes. But it, you see them ag- rise to the occasion in those two matches against Ajax. And I'm talking in terms of effort. And I'm talking in terms of concentration. And in terms of execution. Okay? We just left it all out on the pitch on those two matches, and I wish we could have had that kind of performance more often. After the first leg, uh, we continued our role. Um, After that draw, you could say we won 2-2 that day at home because it kind of felt that way. Uh, A 3-0 win over Vitória Guimarães on February the 27th. That was at home. That was in front of 39,846. Uh, a man of the match performance for Darwin Nunez that night. Two goals. Another for Gil, for Gonzalo Ramos. And you're starting to see the uh, reoccurring theme as the young kids are starting to score goals. Kept it rolling when we went to Algarve a week later. A 2-1 win on the road at Portimonense or Porto B, if you want to call them. And this was important because we fell behind 1-0 in this one. Okay. We fell behind 1-0 in the 25th, and then Grimaldo gets a goal uh, in the 45th plus 7. Yes, 7 minutes of... Actually, I think the, the I think this was the match where we had like 14 minutes of stoppage time at the end of the first half, um, where I tweeted at Nino Torres at <laughs> Goal TV, and he, and he read my tweet on the air about, about the uh, 14 minutes of, of stoppage time. And then in the second half, who else? I've said this name a lot tonight. Uh, it was Gonzalo Ramos with the goal in the 50th minute. But if he could take three points there. And then uh, that on that night, there was it was a man of the match performance for Uli and Weigel. 
Benfica continue that role after that. Um, in even though Benfica drop a point, drop two points at home on the 11th of March to Vizela, we already know the red card to Tarapt. And yes, there is a a lack of of consistency in the criteria, but he has no business going in for a challenge like that. I'm sorry, you can't excuse that. A player, um, a player who's 32 years old needs to be smarter than that. He's not a kid anymore. That's that's such a foolish mistake to make. First he takes a heavy touch and lets the ball get away. And then he he you know shows his studs as he goes after trying to get to the ball. Even if he take you know he he just leaves himself so vulnerable to these type of calls and once he once the referee goes to the VAR, you know it's going to be red. And uh he really hurt his team in that one in my opinion. Really hurt his team that night. We saw a really good effort from Mefica. Uh They managed to get one back. And again, it was a draw against the Vizela side we expect to beat. But given the circumstance, and again, uh, more on more than one occasion, clear penalty should have been called. The referees don't want to call it. They don't want to give us these penalty kicks. It's almost like even when we're you know 12 points out of first place, still, still they don't call it down the middle for us. Um, it ends 1-1 that night as uh, Benfica fought, but it was Enrique Araujo getting his first career goal uh, off off the bench that night. The young the youngster from Madeira, um, one of my favorite players back in the the youth the uh, UEFA youth league when I covered that back in 2020. It was the 2019 edition of the tournament. I played in 2020. Um, I remember covering all three knockout, or I should say Elite Eight matches, and really, really being impressed with Enrique Araujo. And he has been very good on the B team this year and very deserving of this opportunity. And uh, he's a player I like, and I hope he gets more time. I really do hope he gets more burn, more run out on, on the pitch and gets a chance to knock a few more goals in. And then, of course, we that brings us up to the present and the past two matches, uh, the win at Ajax and then this past weekend's win at Istoril. Next up. Uh, Sunday, April the 3rd, Benfica travel to Minu to take on Braga at the at the uh, the quarry there, <laughs> at the Pedredo. And um, again, I think if Benfica go and they win this match, I think they solidify. Uh, they'll solidify third place, which is important. And it, it, right now it's, it's scheduled for Sunday, April the 3rd. It'll be moved back to Friday, April the 1st. I'm pretty certain because on Tuesday, April the 5th, Benfica host Liverpool. That's right. The Champions League draw that came out. Benfica draw Liverpool. Here are the quarterfinal draw. Oh, here is the draw for the quarterfinals in the UEFA Champions League. Benfica Liverpool, as we just said, on Tuesday, April the 5th. Also on the 5th of April, Manchester City host Atletico Madrid on Wednesday the 6th. Chelsea host Real Madrid. And on and on that same Wednesday, April the 6th, Bijareal will host Bayern Munich. Reverse fixtures one week later. The Tuesday matches switch to Wednesday and the following week and vice versa. Uh, let's take a look at the table now in the Liga Nage. 
uh, or I should say the Liga Portugal B win. It's not the Liga Nage anymore. As you know, Porto is top of the table. And from as far as I'm concerned, they're the champions elect. They're not going to let this slip now. Unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with another summer of listening to them. They got 73 points. Standings, of course, are up and updated on www.mrmahivica.com. Sporting 67 in second place. We sit third right now on 61 points. We are 12 points better than fourth place Sporting Braga as Braga have 49, just three ahead of Gilles Vicente who are fighting for that uh, Europa Conference spot. Now also interesting to note, um, we still have the second legs of the Portuguese Cup, the Tassos Portugal semifinals to go, but it's looking like it's going to be either Porto Sporting versus Tondela in the final. So if Tondela win the Portuguese Cup, they go in to the Europa League. If Porto or Sporting win the cup, fourth place gets automatic entry into the Europa League. And then sixth place becomes the Europa Conference spot. Right now, sixth place belongs to Vitória Guimarães. They are 10 points back of Gilles Vicente. And they'll certainly be hoping to hold on to that sixth place. And then hope that one of the big dogs takes the title from either Tondela or Mafra, but it it's much, very much looking like it's going to be Tondela in the final against one of our two rivals. Isturil, uh, our opponents this past weekend, they're seventh right now in 34. They're going to chase Vitoria all the way to the finish line. Maritimu up to eighth. They got 33 points, as does Passos de Ferreira. Tenth place is Santa Clara with 31. They've recovered nicely after a very tough start to the season. Portimones, 29 points in 11th. Fumalicão, they were in the basement for quite a while. They figured it out a bit, and they're up to 12th now in 28 points. Boavista, 27 points. Vizela, 26. Aroca, just above the playoff spot in 23 points. One point ahead of 16th place Tondela, who he said is are on a cup run as well, but they also have to take care of business in the league as they are in danger of relegation. Right now, they are in the relegation playoff spot in 16th place, 22 points, like I said. Two better than Moreirense, who right now sit in 17th with 20 points, and Bisad. Um, if ever a team deserve, if ever a club, I'm sorry, they're not even a club, but if ever a club, for lack of a better term, deserve to be relegated, it is Bisad. And hopefully, if they get relegated, this is the last we see of this ridiculous, uh, this ridiculous excuse that only ex- could only happen in Portugal. Um, Hopefully they fold because the real Bolognese are climbing. They're in the Campeonato Portugal and they are climbing. Um, and they are the real Bolognese and the confusion needs to end. Um, we look now at the leaders in the Liga Portugal B win. As I pull that up right now, uh, we'll start with the goal-scoring leaders as Darwin Nunez, of course, our striker, tops the league in goals. He's got 20 right now, five better than Braga's Ricardo Horta, but, you know... If he doesn't keep scoring, uh, Arta could be on the on the uh, radar to catch him. There's been some rumors about uh, Benfica possibly having some interest in Ricardo Arta. I don't know if there's any truth to that. A lot of Benficistas would like to see it. He is a Benficista himself. Time will tell. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Luis Diaz has been gone for 
two months, and he's still third in scoring with 14 goals. He's now at Liverpool. We'll see him in a couple weeks in the Champions League. Mediterremi also on 14 goals. And then it is Fran uh, of Gil Vicente with 13. Estupanian of Vitória Guimarães with 12. And then a whole host of players with 11. Um, so that's where the Liga Nage stands right now. Now, um, back to Rafa. Okay, in closing. So after the match in the in the flash interview, you know, he was the man of the match and he didn't have much to say. And when asked if he had anything to say about his goal, he said, no, he didn't really want to talk about it. This has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Everybody pointing and noticing he just doesn't seem happy at this club anymore. Now, on it, obviously... Rafa is human. Obviously, he is aware of a lot of the criticism, deserved or not, that has gone his way. Much of it deserved. Um, I think even when criticism is deserved, people have a way of delivering it in a nasty sense. And I'm not – this is where real life kind of starts to hit in, okay? And when you you deal with people every day the way I do – There's no question that over the past two years, people have become more angry and more nasty, no matter what the reason is. And for for fans to be judging why he didn't want to talk or why he didn't celebrate his goal, um, a lot of them saying he misses his, you know, he's unhappy at the club and he wants to leave. He doesn't respect the club. I am not in a place to to judge what he is presumably unhappy about. Who knows? We don't know what these players go through in real life. He could be having family problems. He could be having marital problems. I don't know his marital status. Uh, His mother could be sick. He could, who knows what's bothering him. There could be life-changing things going on in his life outside of football that has crept its way into his football. Maybe that's why he hasn't played very well. Maybe that's why he's been slumping the past five, six weeks. Maybe he's got stuff from the outside that has overwhelmed him. Okay? When when we all have things in our lives and we have people in our lives, whether some, uh, you know, a family member is sick or who knows? I mean, there's just so much that can go wrong in someone's personal life that that really gets in the way of them doing their job. I deal with this. Okay. Um, while this, this show disappeared. Okay. Um, I had a little bit of legal trouble myself over something that happened, you know, six months ago, more than that. Now, when I was on a road trip, you know, and it was a, what I thought was a routine speeding ticket, and I was upset that I, you know, was was going to get cited for a speeding ticket. Turned out to be a criminal charge. I had to fight this in court, and for six, seven months, I was I didn't know how this was going to turn out until you know the judge finally dropped dropped the the charges, and I was you know two thousand dollars poorer for for legal fees and for for attorney fees, but. In those months, you know, until that weight was off my shoulders, I was noticeably very different in my job. I was noticeably very different amongst my friends, amongst my family. People knew something was up. I wasn't talking. People knew something was up. Okay. Um, I recently just, uh, I recently just lost a vehicle on top of it, my car. I, 
month ago or so, almost a month ago now, I hit a deer driving to work one morning, three o'clock in the morning. I'm heading into the warehouse to start my week. It was a, it was a, it was a Monday morning, a Tuesday morning, actually. My week starts on Tuesday morning. Um, I was heading in and this 300 pound deer ran full speed out of, out of the woods. I was traveling at a not a fast pace. I was actually following the speed limit because ever since I got that speeding ticket that nearly ruined my life, um, nearly, uh, you know, nearly ended in a criminal conviction, I haven't sped ever since. And I was driving and that thing ran headfirst into me. It hit me uh, on the corner of my car. Had it had it ran a split second faster i would have hit it right in the center i would have taken its legs out i would have hit it right on its legs and it would have rolled up my windshield and over the roof of my car and who knows what would have happened okay again i've been distraught over this i have managed without a vehicle right now um it's been very hard to get to and from work uh having to use my wife's car um and having to figure out how to get my son to school these are just Simple things that in my life have happened, okay? If that's happening in my life, and I know you all have these things happening in your lives that affect your performance in your job, and it definitely affects my performance in my job. It affects my performance on this podcast. Every time I'm ready to 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 record again, something happens, okay? Something new gets 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 thrown in in my way, and I have to deal with it. Who knows what Rafa is dealing with in his life? So before we judge, um, I think it's 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 important to be aware, but it's also important to be he, – he may be having a mental health struggle. These things are very real. And just because someone earns a lot of money, money does not – they say money doesn't buy happiness, but money certainly does not cure mental illness. And I'm not saying he has that, but money doesn't cure depression. Money doesn't cure anxiety. Who knows what he's, he's dealing with? So um, – I just hope Rafa is uh, has support in his life, and I hope he uh, he can resolve whatever it is that's going on. And if it's with the club, I hope the club are supporting him. And I hope we see the Rafa Silva we used to have um, because he's a very productive player. And uh, I'm sure he's very unhappy about being left off the national team in these very crucial games coming up, especially at a time when you see – an absolute piece of garbage like Otavio get called in. I mean, are you kidding me? It, it, I can imagine that could tear at him as well. And he probably, maybe he wanted to tell Fernando Santos to, you know, you know what, off. Uh, maybe he wanted to tell Fernando Santos to go, you know where. And he just he bit his tongue and didn't say it, so said he didn't want to talk. That is also very possible. I think it's important we don't put words in players' mouths. I think it's important we don't um, make accusations that we have no proof to. And um, maybe in due time we'll find out what this was about. Maybe not. Rafa has always seemed to be a more private player than some of the others. And when I think about it, I don't know that I've really heard his voice all that much in the years that I've been watching this team and watching him with this team, much less since I've been podcasting. But uh, that's my two cents there on that. Uh, lastly, I said I was going to talk about 
the uh, Canal Loans fiasco with Manish. Uh, if you didn't catch it, it, it made news. This was the night Benfica beat Ajax. So the reason this is news for this ep- this podcast is because Manish was critiquing uh, Mete's play, okay? And the host of Football Total, uh, Pedro Souza is his name. Uh, this is a show I watch on and off, um, especially now that I don't work at home anymore and I work at the office. I don't get to watch it the way I did before. But it's a show I'm familiar with, and it's a very much a heated debate show, Um they were debating. The thing is, Pedro Sosa, in in addition to being the the host, from what I understand, is one of the directors of the program directors at Canal Lons. And uh, he didn't appreciate Manish's opinion. And I guess he went and got some stats. Um, and he pulled a stat that, I mean, I'm going to love this stat because he said that Tarap lost nine balls in the first half uh, before being yanked. And that in the second half, Mete lost only four balls. And Manish said, uh, as a former player, as an international who played in the number eight position, um, evaluating Mete, he said, in his opinion, Mete is not a player for Benfica in that position. And now Manish has every right to say that. And I know he's <laughs> Manish is a villain right now to Benfica for, for obvious reasons. But the, this this fiasco has also brought a lot of criticism from Benfica Nation towards him. And rightfully so, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a right to his opinion. And as someone who, you know, puts on this headset or or plugs in the microphone, presses record and gives an opinion whenever I feel like it pretty much, um, I fully support Manish's right to give his opinion. And I don't think that the host or the network has the right. If you bring in somebody on your show to give their opinion, you don't have a right to censor that opinion. That's, That's where I... Where I stand. So um, apparently what happened afterwards, uh, Manish left. So Manish was off the show or whatever happened. (laughs) Their co-host or their co-panelist, Sofia Oliveira, who I actually am one of the few – I like I like her analysis. I, I enjoy her her viewpoint and her perspective. I don't always agree with it, but I like to hear it. And – she, in a WhatsApp message or in a WhatsApp group, uh, basically told whoever she was talking to exactly what happened in the audio leaked. And she she said that Manish, you know, um, you know, they went to a commercial break or whatever, and Manish started calling him names. And he's saying, told Pedro Souza that, he, <laughs> that he's fat and ugly and that he treats everyone like crap because he's fat and ugly and miserable and, and – uh, Pedro Souza said something along the lines of, "Oh yeah, you know, you're not going to work here again after the show. You're done." And and uh, Manish said, "No, not after the show. Right now." He walked out, and then uh, words got exchanged, and Manish started. I guess he threw a glass cup at Pedro Souza's legs. He started breaking glass. Uh, from what I understand, he broke a a plasma screen TV or something. And Sofia goes on to say that it was, it's our former manager. Another reason this ties into the show. It was Rui Vitoria who kind of got in there and, and as the peacekeeper that he is. And what she said is that Manish, um, knew that he would not have his way with Rui Vitoria because Rui Vitoria some is a bigger guy. And, uh, Rui Vitoria, he, he, I guess can hold his own with Manish or Manish respects him. He, he didn't, he sort of calmed down, but he destroyed a bunch of property. Um, 
absolute fiasco um, and bringing a lot of criticism to Canal Loans, which I find unfortunate because I've been a happy subscriber to that channel since I've gotten it. Um, I like their style of analyzing games. It's almost like a podcast on television. I think it's pretty cool. I've always liked it. I like uh, the opinions they got. They got a lot of Befica guys on the screen. You know, you get to see Antonio Cajasa. You get Tony. You got Valdu who's been on this week. I mean, Rui Vitoria there now. It's it's always been something uh, I've enjoyed watching. They did a training, you know, mini series with Bruno Lage. So definitely good content. It is run by the Federation and um, or owned by the Federation, I should say. But um, yeah, this turned into a fiasco and apparently Manish destroyed a bunch of property. I don't know what um, is going to come of it. I know he was told to leave or that they were going to have to call the police. Um Sophia talked about going outside, fearing for her safety, and uh, Sara Freitas is another personality you might know if you've watched the channel. She does a lot of reports. They, they kind of both left and got out of the way, and again, it sounds like Rui Vitoria, being the peacekeeper, was able to get Manish to calm down and to leave, um, but... Uh, they kept referring to Pedro. Even Sophia in the leaked audio, which was not a good look for her, um, called him Ugordu. She referred to Pedro Sosa as Ugordu, the fat, the fatso, um, which obviously um, doesn't reflect well on her. And it's it was probably foolish to uh, to say that in a WhatsApp group. But uh, as someone who's been caught on a hot mic before, you do say things that become embarrassing and you're later apologizing for. Um, part of the reason I started podcasting was because I just get in trouble for saying things. So why not just be open about what I say rather than why not just uh, do it in a, a platform where I can say what I want, where I'm, you know, the content creator and where I'm the boss of my own ideas. Um you know, I have said things in the past that has leaked or that has been shown to somebody and that has cost me money, cost me employment, cost me, uh, you know, opportunities both in, in football and outside. So I can totally relate uh, to that lack of judgment. I've been there. Um, it's unfortunate. And hopefully they get everything straightened out. And um, I, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, everybody... Uh, survives this and uh, that's basically what's been going on um, if you want to hear it just all you have to do is go to YouTube if you understand Portuguese and you put leak uh, Sofia Oliveira leak or anything like that you will hear her entire audio explaining everything that happened um, most of it was happened off camera uh, so that's why this became a big deal was because she leaked it otherwise nobody would have known but uh, the fact that Manish was breaking glass and breaking televisions, expensive televisions, it's uh, yeah, it's a sign of maybe some anger management issues there for the former midfielder. But I've yapped on long enough tonight. Uh, thank you for joining me, like I said. Best wishes to, to the women's football team tomorrow. Also, congratulations to the to the men's volleyball team who won another trophy last weekend winning I believe the Portuguese Cup maybe it was the League Cup I'm not sure exactly but uh, we're starting to get into the home stretch of the season and a lot to play for coming up so uh, if you follow the other sports uh, this is this could be an exciting time of the year and certainly the women's football team tomorrow looking to win the trophy over against Braga 
Good luck to all the players, and uh, hopefully uh, when I come back this weekend, we'll be talking about Benfica women winning another trophy, making it three League Cups in a row. I'm hoping that's what I'll be talking about in the next episode. So enjoy the international break. Um, Don't forget about that match tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, hopefully um, Portugal can get their thing together. Uh, for those of us here on this side of the of the Atlantic, uh, it's a big week of international football as well as both the United States and Canada look to lock up their places in the World Cup. As uh, a lot of you listening out there obviously have vested interests in the, both of those two national teams, and I hope to see both of the teams sew up uh, qualification early in this window so that uh, it can be stress-free through the end. All right, that's going to do it for episode 136. This is the Mr. Mike Augustine. You. Uh, signing off. I'll see you in a. I'll see you in a couple days again. Uh, thank you for the support. Like I said, don't forget uh, on Twitter at Befica Mister on Instagram at Mister Befica. You can also go to the Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash Mister Befica and www.mrbefica.com. I'll see you next time here on Mister Befica. <laughs> Agora vamos brindar novamente O sorriso na cara está sempre presente O nosso caminho é seguir em frente Esqueço o teu passado e vivo o presente E se for querer eu levo toda a gente Ao meu lado tenho os mesmos desde sempre Firma na corrida com a fé na minha vida até o fim só sabemos viver assim Olhem para mim Para tudo passa a palavra Digo que estou aqui Com família, amigos A minha volta para repetir Uma festa Uma festa Tô pronta para competir Por fora já entrei querendo ganhar Ninguém espera
otra amor.